Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we're here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. And we don't like to talk about all the fluff stuff or the the gossip, all the negative stuff that you can find pretty much anywhere. Because there's plenty of good news out there in the entertainment world. Right. And we do our best to try to dig a little deeper to find those little nuggets of goodness and uh, one way we do that is we shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment news. And boy, was there a really good story in news this week. Jeff, you know that I'm a big fan of Jeopardy. Absolutely. I am a big fan of trivia. And and our host, our love, beloved Canadian host, Alex Trebek, has been going through some health scares recently. And this week during the Tournament of Champions, where some of the best of the season get to come back and they're... There are folks that have been on multiple episodes with Alex before and kind of develop a rapport. During Final Jeopardy, one of the contestants uh, forewent answering the question, or he probably just didn't know it, but he he said, we love you, Alex, uh, on his little board that you write down the answer to. And, and Alex got really choked up there for a second. There have been funny things written there before, or goofy things, or making fun of Celebrity Jeopardy things, but this is the first time I've seen Alex really, like, take a second, as he says, it's going to cost you nineteen ninety-five, And and I I think the, the guy spoke for a lot of people that are fans of the show, like you said, Cole. So yeah, very touching, and uh, what a way to, what a way to lose, you know? That's right. So that was exciting. Uh, a lot of people are also excited, Cole, that Ricky Gervais is coming back one last time to host the Golden Globes. Oh, yeah. And I, it's funny that we're putting this in our best of news segment of the show because a lot of celebrities would argue that this is not good news because they don't want to have a big old target on their backs uh, as Ricky Gervais is known to to kind of roast the celebrities that are there stand, sitting right in front of him. But that's why they keep paying him to come back, because he can actually pull in lots of viewers. And it's the Golden Globes last year that didn't have a host at all, right? Um, no, it was, it the, was Oscars the Oscars that, that didn't have a host, host. and they're, they're thinking of keeping that going. But, I think it uh, worked. I think last year was last year Andy Samberg and uh, I mean Sandro was in it. Yeah, guess who else is coming back? Cole, who? Well, let me ask you this: When there's something strange in your neighborhood, who yeah. are you going to call? Bill Murray. Bill Murray <laughs> is back. He's going to be in the the 2020 Ghostbusters film, which is being directed. By Jason Reitman, Ivan's son, who is really the more acclaimed director in the Reitman family. I think so. Yeah. Gino and Young Adult and Tully, and then yeah. Thank you for smoking up in the air. Although Ivan Reitman certainly has his fair share of iconic films, you don't have to look much further than Ghostbusters. But he also did one of my favorite political films. Dave. Also, Kindergarten Cop and one of Costner's just many sports movies, Draft Day. Jeff, you know who else is coming back? 
Keanu Reeves, <gasps> a guy that had an amazing first half of the year, is back one more time to get into the news because he will be in the new movie, SpongeBob SquarePants, Sponge on the Run. This guy is popping up everywhere. What is it like the the Keanu Geddon or Keanu Sans, I think they're calling <laughs> I it? I like Keanu Geddon. Yeah. That's a more clever one. No, we got a bunch of new trailers this week, Jeff. We got Sponge on the Run, all that will be released in 2020. There's a new Scooby-Doo movie coming out just called... Scoob with cute little puppies, Scooby-Doo. My favorite part of the trailer is that I could tell right away that the person voicing Shaggy was Will Forte, who's very funny. (laughs) So that'll be interesting. And then coming back for a second run at the trailer... It is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Mm, it got now, pushed back. It was supposed to be released earlier this year. But when fans first saw the trailer, and we talked about this earlier this year also, Sonic didn't quite look like Sonic. They went back to the drawing boards quite literally, had all the animators get together in a room, work just probably tirelessly for the past six months. And mm. my heart goes out to them because the product they have put together and out for us looks beautiful. Sonic looks like Sonic again. Well... I, I actually think it's going to be a gamble that's not going to pay off because think of how many millions of dollars they spent redoing that. And this is a movie that I'm not too optimistic about. I wasn't optimistic about it during this trailer or the previous trailer. Um, and as big of a Jim Carrey fan as I used to be, I don't think his same old shtick is working anymore. Or at least whatever they're writing for him or whatever he's improvising just isn't isn't working anymore. Those animators are getting at least $10 from me just because, and and the studio itself, this is a rare instance where they actually listened to what the fans said. The fans were right, as they usually are, Jeff. I think it's kind of a dangerous precedent, though, Cole. But, I mean, it, it is, but Sonic looked really bad. Okay. But, I mean, what if what if you don't remember what he looked like and you were fine with it? Or what if you don't it analyze? Really... What if you don't analyze trailers to the point where you're you're criticizing teeth? Sonic animated is teeth, the titular character, and he <laughs> looked like a creature from my nightmares. All right, that just so happened to be blue, and now he looks like a cute cartoon hedgehog, like he did in all of the video games, and like a hero that we can root for. I I only hope that the people that that forced those people back to the drawing board will actually follow through and go see the movie now. I mean, I also hope that whatever creative director decided to make him look like a demon in the first place got fired along the <gasps> way because it was cool. not it wasn't the like animators that said, "Hey, let's make Sonic look weird." They were just doing their job and then they had to do their job twice. Cole, your your heart is frozen right now. Ooh, you know what else is coming back? Movie reviews and movie reviews with a friend of the program. Hey, that wonderful jazzy theme song is back, which means that Rod Gustafson, our friend from BYU Radio, must also be back. Rod, welcome back. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Cole. <laughs> Thank Hello. you for dressing up, too. I appre- I mean, the, the song sounds even better when you're wearing your tux like that. Yeah. So. Oh, thanks. I, I, I needed to dust it off. By the way, the, speaking of tux, the Oscars need a host. So. Oh. Okay, I know. I don't think if they're going to do it. If it's a bad it. host, it goes down the drain, but a good host can really – okay, maybe it's just the producer in me. 
But trying to run a television show without somebody to glue it together, imagine the La La Land fiasco without a host. Mm. Just imagine. I, yeah, that's I've true. often been campaigning for a five minutes Oscar program where they just <laughs> run a scroll of the winner's oh, past cool. yeah. and I take my notes and I write down who won and I win my bets. You are just and too then pragmatic. I move on with my life. You're okay. too pragmatic I'm, for this industry. All right, Cole, you and I don't often agree. We know that. And I just told you that you had a frozen heart. Yes. But I'm wondering if my heart needs to be thawed out a little bit because I just saw a movie that uh, did not warm my heart. Mm. And to me, Frozen 2 kind of seemed like one big hot mess. <laughs> and let me tell you why. It was such a mind-boggling experience. I don't know that I've had many experiences like this in the movie theater. You know when you go see a movie that really feels like it's dragging along and it seems way longer than it actually was? Well, so what do you do when that happens? You lift up your arm and you check your watch, right? Mm, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. This movie still has 30 minutes left. Yep. Toward the end of this movie, I looked at my watch and I had kind of a different experience because I was thinking, that's it? That's, that's all there is to this movie? This is the sequel? This is something that has been years in the making? The stakes should have been higher because it is a sequel? Um, there Now, granted, there are a couple of memorable songs. I'll give you that. There's one of the songs that I sang all the way home with my daughters. Hmm. And, you know, they enjoyed it so much that I'll probably go out and, and buy the soundtrack. Um, but I, they felt the need to give every character their moment. Everybody is alone at one point in the woods singing their own song. But it's kind of a big mess. Not only are there... Lots of people that had their hands on the screenplay, but it just goes – and you could tell because the, the plot just kind of goes off in all these different directions and the plot is kind of confusing anyway. It's basically uh, Elsa wants to know what the source of her powers is because there's this force that is threatening Arendelle and if she doesn't figure out what's going on, then the existence – of Arendelle and its people will is at risk. Right? Life as we know it will never be the same. Exactly. Okay. So, um, but yeah, getting back to all the different songs and the the mess and all the different directions that it, this movie goes, there is inexplicably kind of a tribute to every '80s music video you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, this is the song that Kristoff sings. And it, to me, it just came way out of left field and didn't seem to fit. Um, they just threw a bone to all the parents that got drugged there by their daughters who need to see Anna and Elsa one more time. Right. There is a cringeworthy self-reference, Cole. I know that you're not really a fan of, of the meta humor that's been popping up in Disney movies. I did survive movies. Ralph Breaks the Internet somehow. <laughs> well, this one... <laughs> There is a – I don't want to give it away, but there is a reference to the song Let It Go, and it it made me cringe. Jeff, I'm impressed that it's taken you until this point in your review to mention Let It Go because most people's opening pun is Frozen 2, they should have let it go, or Frozen 2, critics need to let it go and enjoy a good time at the theaters. No, or... I got I got my pun out at the beginning of the okay. review with the big hot mess, <laughs> but uh, – the biggest problem for me with this movie, again, 
It goes back to the script because the opening scene totally undoes everything that happens in Frozen 1. In the opening scene, I'm not spoiling anything by giving this away. It's a flashback, just like the original had a flashback with these two young sisters playing together. They're enjoying Elsa's magical powers. And uh, her parents walk in as Elsa is creating these little snow flurries. And they just get this smile on their face. They think it's cute. Then they proceed to tell their daughters a story, which is really just exposition for the entire film. However, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? Her parents are okay with her powers? Wasn't the entire plot of the original that you need to suppress, conceal, don't feel, you must not let let anybody know. know that you have these powers and but now they know. If you let this go, if you if you meddle with your powers, we're going to lock you in your room or we're going to take you to these troll rock people. And wait a minute. Oh, yeah. They were but, in Jeff, <laughs> this is what money does. Her parents got licensing deals and all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the Are there any the new blow. cute characters that we can make plushies <laughs> out of and sell to the small children, Jeff? Okay. Or is one it still other just saving Olaf grace. And... One other saving grace is... Olaf. Olaf is still the best part of the movie. So like I said, it's about an hour and a half long. There's not really a villain. And uh, the the conflict, the central conflict of the movie seems like it's over in a snap. And so that's why I looked at my watch thinking, What's that's going it? On? That's hmm. it? I, I, kept, I kept anticipating some twist at the end because things seem to tie up too easily, too nicely. And uh, yeah, it for all it should have been, it wasn't. And I, I I feel like Will Ferrell in the movie Zoolander because this movie's getting pretty decent reviews. And I just feel like I'm taking crazy pills because I did not care for this movie. I love you, Disney. I love what you're doing with Disney Plus, and Cole and I are going to talk about that soon on the show. But uh, this movie's going to make a ton of money, and it really made me pine for the original, if you can believe that. Am, am I really the only one in the room that was lukewarm to the original probably. No, yeah, we both were too. No, oh, okay. no, I granted the original when it uh, you laughed and you thought, "Man, this music is really spectacular and I could see this as a Broadway show and in fact it is now, right?" But uh Frozen fatigue started to set in and yeah. then you realize, "Oh, there're actually quite a few plot holes in but I I pined for the plot of the original when I saw Frozen 2." I'm sorry if I ruined anybody's Thanksgiving plans. Still go see it. I'm sure you will, especially if you have young kids. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if my kids saw it again. But at the very least, I will buy them the soundtrack. And by the way, here's a little math lesson in 45 seconds. Rotten Tomatoes, 83%. This is why you've got to be careful with Rotten Tomatoes. Most of the reviews are falling in the, "Eh, it's okay range, but they're high enough that it gets you the fresh mark. Sure. And uh, three and, out of five yeah, fresh exactly. tomato. Yeah, or two and yeah. a half out of five. So a yeah. movie can have 100% on Rotten Tomatoes and still be a, eh, it's an okay movie. And that's where this one is definitely, I'm seeing everybody congregating in that zone. So Cole, there, or Cole Rod, there is another <laughs> movie that just came out that is just in time for the holidays, and it's on Netflix. It is. It was in theaters somewhere. 
I don't know where for a, a week. Netflix owned theater in Los Angeles. So really? they can there be you go, eligible the one. for the Oscar. And right? they are. They're gunning for awards on this. I um, I'm a member of Broadcast Film Critics. I got my disc arrived in my mailbox yesterday, which meant I didn't have to get up at five o'clock this morning <laughs> to watch this movie. And uh, this is called Klaus. And uh, Klaus is this. Uh, it's a movie about uh, this young kid who's a spoiled brat, looks like he's in his early 20s, and it takes place in this era where the mailman in some – I'm assuming this takes place in Norway because they make reference to Sami people, and they're the indigenous mm. people of Norway. And being a Gustafson, I should know this, but anyway, it takes place um, in a time where the post office is everything, and this young man's dad runs the post um, workers of this country, almost like a military force. Anyhow, his son, all he wants to do is sit around and live a life of luxury. So his father sends him to be the postmaster in some little isolated island way in the middle of nowhere, way up in the north. And uh, he gets there and there's this little village there and all anybody wants to do is fight. And these are really vicious kind of fighting people. And so he's having a terrible time. The, the post office doesn't even really have a roof. It's cold. It's, it's lonely, blah, blah, blah. He discovers, though, even though he's trying to convince people they should be mailing letters because his father told him, once you've posted 6,000 letters, you can come home. For some reason, that's the hmm. watermark. So he's going out trying to get people to mail things, and he goes way out into the country, and he meets this 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 gruff, big guy, burly guy, who's just really grumpy and lives in this isolated little cabin and uh, gets to know him. And it turns out that this man has been making he, he, toys for some reason, lots and lots of toys. Mm. So we can kind mm. of see where this is headed. So that's, that's really this. It, it does become a feel-good movie. So first of all, let's talk about this from the, you know me, I'm going to go down the parent road. <laughs> We're going to talk about this from the parenting perspective. Um, I think there's a lot of scenes in here for younger kids. They're going to be a little bit afraid, especially in the first half of the movie until oh, things really? literally start to warm up a little. So yeah, it's going to be, I think you, you're going to find six and under the six and under crowd aren't going to like it very much. And you're probably going to have to do a lot of, you know, consoling. It's okay. It'll get better. And it does get better but it takes it a little while the main attraction of this film though from the artistic perspective if you're into animation at all this is a hand-drawn movie Wow! done by all a right. spanish director and uh who is sergio pablos who is known as being not the director but the creator of despicable me the despicable huh. me franchise um and it's hand-drawn to look like 3d that's what makes this so unusual. Oh, interesting. It has an amazing animation style. Now, it's very common these days. When 3D came out, everybody, you know, back in the 90s, Toy Story and everything else, everybody was excited about that. And then now we've kind of come into an era where they're trying to make what looks like 2D hand-drawn movies using computers, using really 3D computers, and it doesn't really come off all that well. Hmm. This swaps that around. This is a 2D movie where they have painstakingly drawn characters to look like have a three-dimensional effect using shading. And I guess this is the big thing in the animation world. The animation, the animation threads on the internet are just lighting up over this movie <laughs> because of just how cool this is and the things that they're doing with it. So 
If you're an animation person, this is definitely a movie worth seeing. And I mean, let's face it, if you've got Netflix, go see it anyway. It doesn't really cost you anything. You're paying the money. Right. Now, it's interesting because I was waiting for a movie to start the other night. And, you know, those little fun facts that pop up while you're waiting for the movie. Uh, it In the said, theaters. Yeah. It said that uh, there have only been five movies that have been nominated for Academy Award. Five Christmas movies that have only been nominated mm-hmm. for an Academy Award. Yeah. And I wonder if this one will be the sixth one that's nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, and they're certainly gunning for it, which I thought was unusual. And I had heard that Klaus, that they were going after an awards run. Um, You should back up for a minute. The way the awards work, I think a lot of people think that movies just accidentally get awards and get nominated because people love them. Well, it's actually, there's a lot of marketing involved. And that's how come when when a disc shows up in my mailbox, I know somebody said, we're going to spend four or five million dollars trying to get this movie in the awards circle. So they, they, the, the studios and distributors make decisions as to which movies are they are really going to push. And uh, I thought, well, this is really unusual. But after watching the movie, what's really going to win it for this movie will be the technical aspect mm. of it, not so much the story. I found the story to be, you know, this is another Santa Claus origin movie, and it was cool. There were some moments in it that I thought, yeah, this is pretty neat. But otherwise... I didn't find it, even though it's really trying hard to be heartwarming. Boy, you got to go through a lot of cold stuff to get to the heartwarming stuff. And mm. uh, and it, it works okay. But what really works is the visuals. You know what, Rod? We're going to keep having you back, especially as we get closer to award season, because it sounds like uh, this character from Klaus has uh, – you were one of the 6,000 letters that he sent – uh, to meet his quota because you're getting all these screeners for all these movies. Yes, it is that time of so year. So you are welcome it, on Screen it Cleaning. It is that time of year. Well, when we return, speaking of streaming and Netflix, we're going to talk about streaming and Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Out on the frozen tundra, the penguins are fighting for their lives. Doesn't this sound, Cole, like it's a a Werner Herzog documentary? (laughs) It's a combination of that and maybe a Western feel almost. Speaking of Werner Herzog, Werner Herzog is in this show that we're going to talk about right now as we give you some of our reviews for the new offerings on both Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus. So that was from The Mandalorian. Mandalorian, A far cry from... Right, but it works. And I love that Werner Herzog is in this. We'll talk more about that here in just a second. What did you think of The Mandalorian, Cole? First of all, what is The Mandalorian? Who is? Why is The Mandalorian? I couldn't I, – that's what I – the question I was asking myself the whole time. What is The Mandalorian? I don't know, and it's kind of nice. Isn't it a, a people, like a, a certain – Group of people? Group of people, not necessarily a race. It's the people from Mandalore, right? Okay. Which is a place. But they kind of adopt people in, as we find out during the course of the show. 
I am trying to do as little research into this as possible because with so many Marvel things coming out, I am very on top of all the comic book references that they sneak in and what they were like in the comic books or what they were like in 90s television shows or what they're like now in the movies and keeping track of everything. Star Wars, I'm very familiar with the movies, but that extended lore and universe, TV shows and books, I haven't gotten into. And so this is just... A new thing for me. I'm going to sit back and enjoy it. Star Wars purists are out there groaning right now. Like, you don't know what the Mandalorian is? No, I don't. And Uh, that's fine. Yeah. I'm with you, Cole. I just want to sit back and enjoy the ride. And what a ride it is. This, This show looks expensive. The CGI is really good, especially if you compare it to some of the earlier CGI films, basically the prequels. This movie, or George for, Lucas's first attempt to yes. revamp his original trilogy. This show looks fantastic. I love the music. Um, and beyond just the CGI and the money they put into it, there's a vision to it, too. It yeah. looks pretty from a cinematography standpoint and the way they shoot their shots. So the, the first question we asked ourselves watching this was, what is The Mandalorian or who are The Mandalorian? The second, second question, question was, when is this taking place? Exactly. Right? And you only get a hint of that toward the very end of the episode and we will not spoil that and so i I mean i i did do a little bit of research afterwards and i think that we're wrong in what we assume i i i guessed maybe that was a possibility (laughs) that maybe it's not that character that we think it is correct but uh man talk about the cinematography you said was great the the graphics and or the the computer graphics in this are great but they, they do try to stick to mostly practical effects. You're going to see some puppets pop up that are throwbacks to the original trilogy, right? I love the look of the puppets and the droids, the, the big blocky kind of walking box droids. I yeah. like that look. And you get uh, a wonderful throwback to 70s movies in the form of Carl Weathers, who shows up at this guy who has all of these bounty hunter jobs to dish out to our main character, who we assume is the Mandalorian, the titular Probably, Mandalorian, yeah. who, uh, you know, he's giving them all these all this, these crumbs uh, in the forms of these small jobs until the Mandalorian says, well, don't you have something bigger? And then, of course— he does. Well, there's this one other job that's – but it's, you know, it's kind of a big one. Are you sure you can handle it? So he sends him off and he basically sends him to the other guy that we mentioned, Werner, Werner Herzog, Herzog, who is kind of this no-nonsense, very professional, uh, kind of intimidating guy that can only give the Mandalorian a like hints of a clue – of what he should be doing to find this target. But then the Mandalorian Finds kind of ends very up easily. very quickly just <laughs> getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Cole and I were able to guess what the twist at the end of the episode was going to be, what the struggle that this Mandalorian was going to go through was going to be. We were we saw it coming a mile away. So I will say that the the overall plot of this pilot episode might not be the most original um, but we surely enjoyed it. And I will say this, Cole, of all of the shows that we're going to review here today, this is the only one that didn't leave me feeling, gosh, this seems longer than it actually is. 40 minutes long, great length. 
And uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to keep watching it. This is the only one that made me wish we could binge it, which brings up the fact that on Disney Plus we can't. And mm. we'll talk more about our complaints and our, um, you know, good things too about the different streaming services coming up after all of our reviews. But as we record today on Friday, episode two is out. <gasps> so if you've waited yes! this long to hear what Jeff and I have to say about the first episode and you liked it too, you can watch the second one as well. The release schedule is going to be mostly on Fridays for Disney+. Plus. Another flagship show that uh, is very prominent on the homepage of Disney+, Plus is Encore. This is the show that sends uh, people back to their high school days, people that graduated 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And they have the chance to relive their drama glory days, put on their big high school musical one more time. And it really focuses on the process of putting the show together. And it's hosted and executive produced by Kristen Bell, who's already been mentioned on the show, or at least her movie Frozen 2 has been mentioned. And it's really kind of a sweet, uplifting show that if you were in high school musicals or choir or in just straight plays, you're really going to enjoy this show. As far as reality shows go, I will say that uh, it's – it, it kind of leaves you wanting more because you know that they've filmed tons of footage and they have to condense it down to 56 minutes, which is really tough to do. So whereas uh, another uh, reality series, Marvel's Hero Project, you don't really get to know each of the characters as much as you would like to and hope to. Um, but it is in Encore, they are more characters that you follow, right? Yeah. That reality feel of of any survivor or a competition show yeah. or something else where you start rooting for people, whereas, you know, the Marvel Hero Project has a different vibe to it. It will put a smile on your face and it will I think you'll want to go back for more, especially when you see the other plays that they have to offer. But let's talk about Marvel's Hero Project. Yeah, this is kind of a a -a make-a-wish, but for Marvel heroes instead of sports heroes. Our first episode actually featured this young girl that has has a limb difference where the bottom half of one of her arms never formed whenever she was born. Mm -hmm. But she has taken that and really been a positive force to her community. Even as a young girl, she's... She was 10 when she first went to like a summer camp and started doing science things and and coming up with this idea of putting something there where the other half of her arm would be and and being an advocate for change and and accessibility and awareness. And the show kind of follows her journey of – of bringing awareness to that and and getting together with other young kids that have similar limb differences so that we know that that these people are out there and that – that there can be accommodations a little better done in our communities. Sure. And Cole, this this show, I think you without reservation, you could sit down and watch with the entire family. In fact, I would recommend that you do that. In fact, when Cole and I were watching this last night, I had my two young daughters in the room and I thought it was important for them to see um a real life superhero, this girl that is making a positive change by using her creativity, by using her talents, and by not letting uh, the limitations in her life hold her back from realizing her dreams 
and showing the world that she can accomplish incredible things, even if she has to learn in a different way from everybody else. And that's what Marvel heroes were always about, overcoming mm-hmm. something from the standpoint of just a real everyday person. And that's why they're, Marvel is reaching out and looking for these young heroes in the real world to tell stories about them. It's a it's a feel-good kind of a show. Yeah, and I, I, I love shows that get the creative juices flowing in my daughter's minds because, you know, they may watch a show like this and say, hey, I, I want to make my own uh, unicorn glitter shooting device, right? Or in the case of one of uh, Disney Plus's new short offerings, Forky Asks a Question, it might inspire them to make their own version of Forky, which is exactly what happened when my five-year-old daughter watched the three-minute short of the first episode of Forky Asks a Question, which is titled, What is Money? <laughs> so she had such an impact on her. Those three minutes alone had such an impact on her. That when she was bored the other day, my wife got out all these craft supplies. We didn't have any sporks, mind you, but we had a plastic fork and googly eyes and we had some red uh, Pipe pipe cleaners and some popsicle sticks. So she showed it to me. I was like, wow, that actually looks just like Forky. And even my two-year-old is calling for Forky and asking, I want Forky. And he actually picked up Forky and used it as an actual fork eating his dinner, which (gasps) was pretty cute. Forky was okay, Okay. although uh, there were a couple of Forkies, and one of them uh, has seen better days, let's just say. Gotcha. It's a cute, short show and harmless fun. Tony Hale is great as Forky. And uh, it's it's funny because you're actually – they're disguising this cute little short as you don't know that you're learning, basically. So I think that he's going to keep tackling all these other topics that hopefully kids know about. Like, hopefully, then I tell you this my kids know exactly what money because they're constantly asking me for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're, you're really going to enjoy Forky Asks a Question. And it's just something really quick that, you know, if you want to. If your kids are begging for something right before they go to bed, this is a great option. The world of Discovery is open in Disney Plus because they also own National Geographic properties, ah, including yeah. a new original, The World According to Jeff Goldblum, mm-hmm. where he's going around and kind of giving a National Geographic show the Jeff Goldblum twist. There's there's other shows, and we mentioned a, a reality show musical earlier, but there's a scripted show banking on this idea of the high school musical uh, based on their original Disney Channel original movies, high school musical. It's called, and get ready. Okay. High school musical, the musical, the series. Okay. For the title alone, I almost want to watch it, Cole. <laughs> I was very interested. It's it's right up my corny alley that I enjoy. It's it's that part of my brain that enjoys the CW kind of shows. Sure. It's shot in an office kind of a way where the characters get their own um, one-shots and, and face-to-faces. But it's this real high school that exists in Salt Lake City, East High, that is putting on a musical – they're putting on High School Musical, the musical, and it's a series. Yeah. So the title actually kind of makes sense. And it goes through uh, – there's these two characters that broke up over the summer and he wants to get back together with her. And they end up by the end of the first episode being cast as the two leads, Troy and Gabriella, in High School Musical. And it's going to oh. probably keep going as this 
you know, it's a mockumentary as this quote unquote real life school that is actually real. But these characters are putting on a fake real musical. It can get confusing, but it's fun. So not to uh, not to head back to a show we've already talked about, but if you look at the lineup for the show Encore, one of the plays that will be performed on that show is actually High School Musical. Oh, boy. Yeah. So there's that to look forward to, and I guess a good tie-in to High School Musical, the musical, the series. And a good tie-in to the three High School Musical movies that are also available at your leisure on Disney+. Plus. One can only hope, Cole, that High School Musical, the musical, the series will get a sequel, and it will be called High School Musical, the musical, the series, the, the sequel. sequel. <laughs> I think so. Or even part two. <laughs> yeah. But Disney Plus isn't the only new uh, new game to the streaming wars. Apple TV Plus uh, had a week and a half jump on the Disney Plus release, but it's got four new originals as well, and we watched a couple of those. Right. So there is the morning show, which I'm, I'm sure everybody's aware of with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. They they really pulled got – a some really big hitters to be involved with some of these shows. Another one is Jason Momoa, which has a really interesting uh, premise to it. What if there's this society where nobody can see anymore and yet they've just given birth to a child who actually can see and that could change everything. Uh, But the shows we did watch and speaking of changing everything, what if Cole, what if, we didn't beat the Russians to the moon. What if they were the first ones there? Sounds like an elevator pitch where just someone was in L.A., said that to someone else, and they were like, I, I can make a TV show out of that. It also sounds kind of an offshoot of the same premise, basically, for The Man in the High Castle. What if we didn't win World War II? Except the stakes are a lot lower, it seems. And even yes. after watching the whole first episode an hour plus to it that it is, I still don't get why it's that big of a deal that the Russians beat us to the moon in this universe. <laughs> that is kind of the big downfall for me of this series is the stakes aren't really high enough. And it's this one more than any of the shows we watched. It was an hour and five minutes the pilot was. And I just remember thinking throughout, gosh, this seems like I'm watching a two-hour movie. Don't get me wrong. Looked Beautiful, looked expensive. Even the acting, I thought, was pretty good and very well made. I can see why it would appeal to some people. But of all the shows that we watched, I just didn't feel compelled to hit play on episode two. And it's a shame because they they are setting a lot of things up really slowly. There are a lot of threads in this that we only got a taste of it and it's meant to be binged. But we got to the end of it, the first episode, and I thought, yeah, okay. My wife, my wife said, I just have no idea where this is going, and I could see and why she's not was in that. a good way. Like right. sometimes you get to the end of that first episode, and you're like, I mean, The Mandalorian, for example. I don't know where this is going. Yeah. Uh, with the with what's this called? Uh, for all mankind. For all mankind. <laughs> with this moon show, it was more. I don't know where this is going. I do love Cole's reaction to the title of the episode, which was Red Moon. He was like, yes! I'm nothing if not a fan of clever wordplay. And Red Moon was the headline on the newspapers that next day after they landed on the moon in the show, too. It was it was a cool little thing. The The question in my mind was maybe they're trying to show that maybe the Cold War won't be the Cold War. It was kind of fun throughout the episode to see 
what other historical events did not take place because we were not the first to the moon. So it even affected the life of uh, Teddy Kennedy, right? Yeah, very quickly he was called into hearings about why we lost the space race and did not end up taking that trip to Chappaquiddick. Oh, so that would have saved at least one life, Cole. Darn it. Net positive so far in this alternate universe. If only the Russians had beaten us to the moon, Cole. (laughs) Well, the other option, and I am surprised to say that I thought this may have been the best offering of any of the shows that we watched. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I loved Dickinson. It is a new take on Emily Dickinson starring Haley Steinfeld where everyone is dressed and acts sometimes like they are in the 1800s when Emily Dickinson really existed until they slip up on purpose and slip into very modern dialogue mm-hmm. as they talk to each other. It's It bounces back and forth in such a weird, funny way with a very modern soundtrack underneath it all, a very imaginative visual style throwing her poetry kind of at you. Um, if we're going to tell this kind of a story, it's got to be different in some way, and this certainly ticks that box. Absolutely. And just like you said, I loved the way that they put her poetry up on the screen. But not only that, they incorporated it into the story. You're actually seeing some of the scenes from her poetry on screen. She had an active imagination oh, yeah. in her poetry, so and you, we get to see it. You get to see her taking a ride with Death, who is like this really chill hip-hop artist type of guy. That, in a carriage from the 1800s. Right. It seems kind of like a nice guy, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I will say this. Even though I thought this may have been the best made of any of the shows we watched, Cole— and again, it looked experienced. I couldn't help – I couldn't shake the feeling of I kind of feel like I'm watching an expensive show on the CW. Like it almost – it feels like it belongs on the CW. If Downton Abbey is kind of prestige soap opera, this is kind of prestige this is CW. prestige trash, right? honestly. But it's done with enough of a vision that it's worth watching Because it's cool, right? Yeah. Everything on the CW can kind of blend together the way it looks. It's very very TV shot, right? Just multi-camera, whatever. Whereas this has some vision to it. It's interesting to look at and entertaining to watch. How how would you define a guilty pleasure, Cole? Uh, Dickinson. Dickinson. Okay. So there's – I mean I guess there's there's the guilty pleasure of like I like this but I'm embarrassed to say that I like it. And then for me, I guess in this sense, it would be more of a guilty pleasure in the sense that um, I feel guilty liking it because I'm a little uncomfortable, to be honest, with some of the content. It's either a strong PG-13 or a very light R, in my opinion, just for one or two scenes. The language is pretty mild. And same with For All Mankind. There were two and a half sexual expletives during the course of that one, which would get it an R rating, but not a lot of other content necessarily to push it that way. Okay, and we'll talk about this more when we come back. Kind of the up or the positives and negatives of the offerings and the format and the scheduling. But uh, let's just really quick uh, tell you about some of the other offerings that are on Disney+. Plus. Speaking of originals, the Imagineering story, which gives you kind of a peek behind 
the guys that design all the creative things at Disneyland, like the rides, and and I'm I'm intrigued by that one. I want to see that. Their There's... job is literally an yeah. Imagineer, yeah. which is pretty cool on the job description. Go to work and see what you can dream up. Um, Lady and the Tramp, which is the live action quote version of the old animated classic. This one being more live action than their other recent live action ones because it's right. you know actual dogs and less lady and, and less tramp. controversial too. And uh, just watch it and you'll see what we mean. Noel, which is their Christmas offering, which is kind of like Arthur Christmas, you know, where the baton of Santa Claus keeps getting passed down. And what if I don't want to be Santa Claus type of thing? And Anna Kendrick and another one of her singing happy peppy roles. And uh, yeah, so there's plenty to watch on Disney Plus outside of their original content. Like I said, you can go watch all the obscure old Disney movies. I'm excited to go back and watch Willow and Flight of the Navigator and um, Darby O'Gill and the Little People and Return to Oz. But Apple TV Plus, even though, I mean, we kind of downplayed, we kind of, we exaggerated a little bit. They have more than the four shows. They've got Snoopy in Space, which is, again, a cute short option if you want something to distract your kids for a little bit, Um, as well as they've got some... uh, documentary type programming as well um and then they've got coming up later this month they've got an m night Shyamalan series called servant which looks pretty creepy to be honest with you cole their next original right so like you said when we come back we're going to talk a little positives and negatives and just our final thoughts on these two new entries into the streaming world here on screen cleaning i believe that this nation should commit itself Landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth. After thousands of years gazing up in the heavens and dreaming of this day, a man is about to set foot on the moon. Cole, this is the song that everybody jokingly sang as I passed them in the halls of elementary school and junior high school. Jeff Simpson. (laughs) And it's a song that I've heard, I think, ten times now because I am about halfway through season one of The Simpsons, which is now on Disney Plus all 30 seasons up until this current 31st, which is over on Hulu Plus if you were like me and got the bundle of ESPN, Hulu, and Disney all together. I'm so happy we're starting here, Cole, because this is just, let's be honest, it's one of the funniest shows ever created. Well, the first eight or ten seasons are some of the funniest TV And this is my ever. first chance to get through those good era Simpsons. I was a teenager in perfect time for the Simpsons brand of comedy when they were on their downturn. And Mm. I've never gone back and seen all of these originals. This is my first time through. I'm very excited. Let's talk about the good and the bad of these streaming services, Cole, especially with Simpsons right now. The good, commercial-free. It's there and it's commercial-free. Every episode. But you brought up something that I hadn't even noticed, Cole. The bad is that in an effort to make things look good on your HDR, high-definition, 4K, Mm -hmm. whatever the heck it is, TVs nowadays, (laughs) The Simpsons has been cropped a little bit. The old episodes came out in the 80s, and they were built for box TVs in a 4x3 aspect ratio, and... 
it used to be I remember my dad trying to convince me when I was a kid that letterboxed was a good thing that on our box TV when hmm. there were black bars on the top and bottom that that meant we got to see more and I was like that doesn't make sense dad I can see less cuz there's black bars and now I'm that old curmudgeon that wants black <laughs> bars on the sides of why? my HD TV so I can see the whole original Simpsons. But why is that important? Some of their – the Simpsons took advantage of all of the screen to make their visual jokes. It's kind of what they got known for. And when you cut off the tops and the bottoms of the original way it was presented in order to make it fill up the entire screen, you miss some of those little jokes. Mm. All right. So I, I and and honestly, I would be happy with just the option, right? You just click a button, go from one aspect ratio to the other. Most people won't even notice, but I did. The one thing I think everyone's going to notice if other people are having the same problem I am is that it's not keeping track of which episode I'm on. Netflix has a whole section where it says continue watching The Simpsons or Phineas and Ferb, which I've also picked up recently and is amazing. And it would say you're on season two, episode three. Disney Plus has not had that so far for me. Even, you know, they have Avatar now, which came over in the Fox deal. It's almost a three hour long movie. If you're about halfway through, Disney Plus hasn't kept track very well where I'm at. And I'm sure that'll get fixed soon. But it's just, you know, one of the other little things. We've already talked about the fact that Disney Plus has way more content than Apple TV. Apple TV is priced a little differently at $5 a month, or if you have bought an Apple product recently, you get a free year of it, which is cool. But again, you really only have a handful of shows. Anything else outside of that, you have to buy or rent. And despite less people, I imagine, on Apple TV, it was a little buggy for us last night. Yeah, we really struggled getting through Dickinson. The whole episode was pixely. It was only 35 minutes long. And yet it it couldn't quite – the server was – something was wrong with the server or something because it struggled. And it wasn't your internet because we watched The Mandalorian just fine. You mm-hmm. mentioned the time of Dickinson being about 35, over an hour for For All Mankind. The first episode of The Mandalorian was just about in that sweet spot of 45. This second episode that's released today is only 33 minutes. One of the good things about streaming services is that you are not beholden to an obligatory 45 tight with commercials making it an hour you can tell your story in however long it takes and then just move on to the next episode i really love that yeah unfortunately apple tv plus didn't give us the bingeable type of content that we wanted to see however it's the one it's the option of the two that actually gives you the opportunity to binge the show if you want it. If you're one of the folks that has cut the Netflix cord, as I will soon, I think, join the club and just download the free trial every time a new Stranger Things drops, watch it for a couple days and then cancel again. You can't get away with that on Disney Plus because they are only releasing things one week at a time. Do you think, Cole, do you feel like people are going to wait for eight or ten weeks and then watch all of The Mandalorian all at once? Or do you think they're not going to be able to wait? If they can wait, right. So you're getting you're getting the money out of the people no matter what because if you're the kind of person that needs to see the first episode with everyone else and be involved in that community, that binging and getting a new series to drop kind of enforces, then you got to get it now and you got to stick with it for eight episodes, two months until its conclusion. Cole, 
I recently, well, when I say recently, last summer, I went on a cruise and it, I saw an interesting phenomenon occurring. Uh, we just had gotten on the boat and we were going to be there for the whole week or four days or whatever it was. So we had plenty of time to enjoy all the festivities, especially the food. And yet the first thing I noticed when I got on that boat was that the lines for the buffet were longer on the first day, even before the ship had taken off, longer than any other time during that week. So I feel like that's what's going on with Disney Plus right now. I don't get the sense that people are going to wait uh, each week for another episode, or they're not going to wait before they binge all of them. I think people are kind of in the buffet mentality right now where it's like, I've got to consume as much of this as I possibly can as quickly as I can. I mean, like I said, I already got halfway (laughs) through the first season of The Simpsons. I watched five or six episodes of the 90s animated Spider-Man, which, by the way, was in its original aspect ratio Hmm. for other um, visual nerds like me. Gargoyles also in its original look. Wow. Well, I think it's clear, Cole, that the the winner here so far is Disney Plus, and, right? And the one thing that I didn't mention with the other streaming services is that this is my first week with Hulu Plus myself and mm. ESPN Plus. Um, for other sports fans, just so they know what they're getting into, this is basically a newer version of ESPN 3 or Watch ESPN where you can watch live sports, but it's the stuff that isn't good enough to make it to broadcast, like ESPN's flagship, the ESPN. Okay. You do get a couple uh, streaming options, though. They made an original program called Peyton's Places for the 100th anniversary mm. of the NFL, where he's going around and exploring the history of this sport that I and millions of other people love. And Peyton Manning's a fun enough personality that watching him talk to Jay Leno about cars and how cars tie into the NFL or throwing a pass from a skyscraper to Chris Carter and Another Hall of Famer. Really interesting and fun stuff. Cole, I think when it all comes down to it, one flaw of Apple TV Plus's rollout is that they just wanted to beat Disney. I think when you when it's all boiled down, I think that was the main motivation for the timing, the pricing, the offering. I think the reason they don't have very much to offer right now is because They weren't willing to let Disney roll out first, and I think it's going to come back to bite them a little bit. And Apple TV doesn't have the shows that we recognize. Even when Mm -hmm. Netflix first came out, they only had one or two originals as well. It was was that Kevin Spacey political show, House of Cards, and Orange is the New Black came shortly thereafter. But they at least had a ton of movies and TV shows that they had bought up that you could stream immediately. Whereas Apple TV Plus, it's just kind of the couple originals they got, and that's it. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to go home and keep watching Disney Plus, Cole. Me too. And maybe if nobody's looking, a little Dickinson. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we come back, we want to give you one more piece of good news in our Panning for Good segment. That's up next. This car is Bart Starr's car that was presented to him for being the MVP of Super Bowl One. You have a street named after you? A road? I think or? it's an alley. It's an alley. <laughs> Holmgren got the big street. Holmgren did. Go figure. There's good in them dire hills. <laughs> now, to be fair to Apple TV+, Plus, uh, Disney Plus 
also had some glitches on its initial rollout, right, Cole? As any new technology does, folks that remember Pokemon Go will have PTSD flashbacks about that rollout. Right. And, you know, I I read some articles about how the head of Disney Plus streaming was questioned about, are you guys prepared for this big rollout? Everybody's excited. Are you guys ready for everybody jumping on Disney Plus on that first day? And he said, yeah, we're ready to go. Um, Because what else is he going to say? Right. And they weren't quite as ready as most people hoped. You can always tell just how excited people are by the amount of backlash there is or the amount of complaints there are. If If you were on Twitter, if you were looking at tweets about Disney Plus on November 12th, you were seeing a lot of complaints about either the speed or not being able to access certain shows or having problems with your watch list, things like that, right? So I was so happy when I saw this one tweet, which was so unlike any of the other tweets that I read, by hash... Oh, no, no. I'm I, uh, Michael Head, at uh, Michael E. Head sending out some virtual hugs to all those dev and operations folks today while Disney Plus launches. Hashtag hug ops. That is so sweet. Finding the good. Such a great reminder to people that, you know what, people, you just need to chill. And it's such a nice way of saying it, too. It's like, not only that, but, man, I really feel for those people that are going to they're not going to be going home to sleep tonight because they're going to be dealing with all of these issues and all of these people that are complaining about something that really when you when it comes right down to it is not all that important every time you complain if you want it fixed someone has to be on the other end and fixing it and it probably wasn't their fault to begin with so good on them and and an A-plus effort because by 9 o'clock at night mountain time, I had no issues at all logging onto Disney+. Plus. There you go. Thank you, Michael Head. We appreciate the positive attitude and the positive vibes that you sent uh, to Disney+. Plus. That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. Cole and I are here each and every weekend, Saturdays on BYU Radio, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. You can also download our podcast. Uh, you can stream us live. And again, we're going to be back next week with a really cool show. I'm excited. We're going to be speaking with Eric Glissmeyer, who's the head of Classical 89. To class up the show a bit to talk about (laughs) classical music used in movies. And don't forget, next month we have our big trilogies bracket. Check the description of the podcast to find a link to that and enter to win. That's up next week. Until then, 